Oh, hello. Fancy seeing you here on a Monday morning, but glad you could join us. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, we will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their businesses to success in an ever-competitive business climate. So pour yourself a hot cup and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Michelle Grace Hoddle, AIA, and she has been practicing architecture with her namesake architecture and design firm, Michelle Grace Hoddle Architect, since 1994. Prior to that, she was a consultant with other architecture and engineering firms in the Los Angeles and San Diego areas, attended Cal Poly Pomoa for architecture. She is a commissioner and subject matter expert for the California Architects Board, a city of La Mesa planning commissioner in her third term, the chair of the American Institute of Architects, chair of the Custom Residential Architecture Network, otherwise known as CRAN, For the AIA San Diego and Palomar chapters, she was also the chair of the Committee for AIA California's inaugural housing forum for attainable housing. She has been on various boards and committees promoting art and architecture in the community, and you can read her blog, imawomanarchitect.blogspot.com. That's imawomanarchitect, all one word, blogs.blogspot.com, and listen to her interviews with other architects at, quote, I've never met a woman architect before a blog about her life, the trials and tribulations, as one could say, of being a woman, a mother, a wife, a volunteer, a public servant, and last but not least, an architect. Michelle, welcome. <laughs> Hi, Lance. You have quite, you? I'm good. You have quite the accolades. That is one of the most impressive uh, intros I think I've ever given. And I've had some super famous folks on this podcast, like uh, John McAfee. So thank you for being on today. Thank you. Well, as uh, as they said on the Arconnect uh, thing, I'm one of the I'm the most senior person that they interviewed, which I've never been that I've never had that title of being the most senior person. <laughs> well, you certainly earned it. I mean, I did. I actually I had to read this. I mean, the commissioner part is interesting. I'll have to ask you about that later because okay, I don't I don't know how I've thought about maybe I should be on a, on a commissioner board at some point. Um, I don't live in the city, so I can't actually do it. But maybe if there's a, if there's a county one at some point. But let's let's kick things off by. Telling us, tell us about how you got into architecture. Where did you, were you a, a, a small girl growing up? Did you, was your dad an architect, your mother an architect? What drove you to architecture? Um, I, no, my parents, my parents weren't architects. Um, my dad was an engineering major and then he, um, he dropped out, he dropped out of college and, um, and he did work for an architect for a little bit. And then my, um, my mom, uh, you know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom till we were, I don't know, maybe six. And then, you know, she kind of went on and then she, she became um, a paralegal. She thought that maybe, you know, later, later on, like after I went into architecture, she said, yeah, you know, I, I might have, um, I might have gone into architecture, but, you know, smart girls were, went into uh, nursing and teaching in her time, right? When she was, <laughs> when she was college age in the early sixties. And, um, you know, and otherwise, you know, it's like you went to, uh, you know, kind of secretarial school and, and became, uh, you know, until you got married and became a mom. So, um, and then my stepdad is a design engineer. He does, um, he's retired now, but he designed a printing press. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
kind of specializing in color color format. So uh, he designed the printing press for uh, the USA Today with the company that he was working for, like back when they first started in color printing and mm-hmm. and it went to all those different things. And um, I have a little I have a little blog about that in my blog about how um, you know when he came back from one of the conventions with like um, an LED and. And my brother and I are like, who cares? What are they ever going to do with an LED, right? Like, the two, like who cares about bending light, right? What difference mm-hmm. And now it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, now it's everywhere. <laughs> um, so I, uh, in eighth grade, we had to choose a profession. And so it was a little box of cards at that time, right? We didn't have the internet because this is like in uh, 1978. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so we had to choose a profession. So there, I chose um, three: uh, architecture, an architect, uh, artist, or a drafter. Because I had heard that there was a lot of math involved with architecture, and so I didn't know whether I'd be able to do it. And in fact, I couldn't do it. That's the reason why I say attend Cal Poly because I never got officially got my degree because I couldn't pass college algebra. Oh, but one okay. of these days, I'll take it, and I am going to pass college algebra, and then I will be able to get my is that the only is that the only class that you need for the yes. cal poly oh interesting. Yes. Okay. yes it absolutely is yeah yeah they won't they won't let me with <laughs> so um so i did i did pursue architecture i you know we were i grew up in pittsburgh um we moved, you know, my, my mom and my stepdad moved to California in 1981. I went back and finished up my senior year of high school, moved back out here. And then I went to community college for two years because the program at Cal Poly was impacted and we weren't California residents yet. So I went to community college and then transferred to Cal Poly Pomona and um, went to school in Denmark for a year there, pretty much did all of the courses. And then, um, when I was going to community college, I started working for an architect. So I've been working for an architect since 1983. Um, and, you know, after I got out of school, worked for um, a woman that was up in, uh, um, on the west side in Los Angeles and, you know, worked for some other architects up there. And uh, then um, I was working for a structural engineer had a baby and decided to like, you know, because I wanted to, you know, be with, um, you know, with my baby, I decided to launch my own practice. And that's, that's how it started in 1994. So how did, how did you get your first work? How did you get your first commissions? Well, you know, I got, I got my first, I got my first project, which was, which looking back was, is pretty big. It was, it was like adding on probably 2000 square feet to an existing kind of um, historically significant house in um, Culver city. It was the mayor of Culver city's house and the, um, the client didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to pay for the services from the person that I was working for. So the contractor asked like, okay, do you want to do this outside of that office? And, you know, and, and so that's what I did. And then I, um, you know, I don't know whether that's like technically stealing. I don't think I really stole it from because they were, (laughs) um, and, uh, I don't know whether they would have wanted to even work with the person I was working with actually. So, um, yeah, so that was my first, and that was probably, 
I wasn't licensed at the time, so I was probably uh, maybe 27. Yeah, I was 27. Um, and then, you know, and then when I started working on my own, I just started to do my, because I was working for a structural engineer, people would call up looking for an architect and then he would say, okay, well, you know, you can, you know, it's like, you can, um, you know, why don't you interview with Michelle and see if she can do it. And um, so that was kind of how I got work. And then just different people that I'd worked for before would refer work to me. If it was, if it was a project that they didn't want, they would, you know, um, refer it to me. And then I also did a lot of consulting work. So I really tell people, you know, like, don't limit yourself and say, I'm only going to take on my own work. If there's another firm that has work and you can be part of that, even for a limited amount of time, you know, just like take on, you know, I mean, I always say take on as much work as you can. <laughs> I mean, don't, you know, don't, I mean, unless it's just a really, unless it's just a bad project and they're just not going to pay you, you know, yeah. don't, yeah. don't limit yourself to, to the amount of work you can take on you know because what ends up happening is so yeah, i mean you know it's um you know you'll you'll say that you're going to take on a project and then that project like might not you know that might project might not come through for like six months a year or something so i think it's always good to say like okay i can do it and then find another way like if you need somebody to draft for you if you need somebody you know then you find a way to do it after that instead of limiting yourself yeah, definitely. So, so none of it was advertising, huh? It was mainly word of mouth back in the day. <laughs> Lucky you. No, no, I don't. I mean, I'm working on a website, but I don't even have a website. Oh, seriously? That's no, impressive. I don't have a website. Yeah. It, that's it's the all, opposite of how cool. Alex and I, that's the opposite of how Alex and I started our firm. And it was all yeah. online. Yeah. Every yes. single thing was online. And maybe it's a, yeah. maybe it's honestly a generational thing. I don't know. Is it we're just so it used to? It probably is. Yeah. yeah. I think it is. Yeah. I, I really like that you, that one of the reasons why you started your firm is because, is because you became a mother yeah. um, and that you were, you saw, you actually saw starting your own firm is then you'd be able to basically, it's like your way to freedom. And it was much the same when I was, yes. I, I had flow custody of my uh, two, I have four children, two of them are biological, two are step, but the biological, oh. I had, I had full custody for three years. And oh, so I was wow. a single dad and the same yeah. thing as you. I mean, I, that's when I started the firm and I never missed a field trip or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's I mean, a lot of people, I think when they think they need to start a business or they want to start a business that it's going to completely take up all of their time and they wouldn't have the kind of freedom that you and I are talking about. How did you, how did you maintain balance? Did you always have a premonition for maintaining balance like that? Or was it sort of forced? And by force, I mean like you got to feed the baby. You got to take care of the baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I kind of like laugh, you know, I mean, because my husband's an architect. So, mm. and he was, he would always work for a firm. I mean, he had no interest in working. And initially, I think that we thought that maybe we could work together, but we realized that we really couldn't. I mean, we worked together for probably six months at another person's firm. And it just, um, we're we're just not set up that way. Um, and so he was, and he always wanted bigger projects. So it was more, so it's like, I decided to take on kind of the part time worker role and, you know, but then also, you know, take care of the kids. And because, because I have the breasts, I was, <laughs> I was the one that was cheating. Yeah. And, um, and so that's, that's like one of the reasons. And, um, 
I would encourage women though, to like make sure that their husband or the father of their children is more involved. I mean, I always felt, and I, you know, I tell this in a lot of the mothers in architecture, Facebook groups and things, you know, I always felt like I needed to, um, to take on more of the responsibility because I, you know, I felt like, okay, well, I'm only working part time. Right. And I, we used to be like 50, 50 with the income and now I'm making less income. So I felt like I had to do more of all of the other things, like more of the child rearing and that, but you know, what you do is you end up, you know, you have, you know, your spouse is like, is, it doesn't, you know, doesn't know what it's like most of the time or, or, you know, I went up to one of the, um, one of the California architects exam workshops and I got a call from my husband and he didn't know, you know, who the pediatrician was, you know, he mm-hmm. wanted to take my daughter. And I said, Oh, it's the same pediatrician that we've been going to for 10 years. So it's like, I really, you know, I felt like it was, uh, you know, it was a failure on my part because I, if, had I, had I not felt guilty because in my generation, you kind of do did feel guilty about that. I know that a lot of, you know, women now they would, you know, they wouldn't put up with that. Right. But I felt like, okay, I'm, you know, at the same token, I wanted to, you know, I wanted my husband to, you know, do well with his career, you know? And so I kind of took on, you know, more of those responsibilities, you know? So. How did it, how was, how did, how was the a typical day for you guys when it was, when it was that working, when, when the kids were small, especially, was it, cause it was it like a, he would come home and then take over and give you a break and you would work or was it just all on top of you guys? Um, we didn't, we didn't have any childcare for like the first year, probably. I mean, my, um, we did have a family member, not from my family, from his family who, who was, uh, who would like, who was, who wasn't very consistent in their child care obligations, I suppose I can put it that way. Um, you know, so it was maybe like one day a week, but it wasn't, you know, it's like if something better came up, then they wouldn't show up. So it's like, I, I can remember, I can remember one time, I mean, you know, this is, this is the thing where, you know, right. Like, so now people have this whole working from home and, oh, my kids are in the background and everything. And, so, you know, my mother-in-law was supposed to show up. I had a meeting with, um, with Discrete Logic for a tenant improvement. Now, Discrete Logic is, <laughs> Discrete Logic did the software for the Terminator movie. And so this is like 1995. I was, I was going to interview with these people and my childcare bailed <laughs> because, because it was raining and because they didn't want to come over. So I put her, you know, I had, I had no, I had no backup. So I just put her in the baby backpack. I, on my back and I show up at the meeting and I was pretty much dripping wet <laughs> because it was raining outside and it's Santa Monica and nobody has umbrellas or anything because it never rains. So you know, so I'm sitting there in this meeting and my daughter's in my backpack and, and I'm like, oh my God, like they're never gonna, they're never gonna, they're never gonna hire me for this, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they did. And so, you know, I did the tenant improvement for them. I mean, it was a real small project, but you know, I still have it. I think that it worked out, you know, well. And, and so, you know, um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like I what did always have. So, I mean, after that, I started like getting more, um, 
kind of backup childcare things. And then we, we had somebody that was kind of babysitting a couple of days a week and I had a studio down the street. But then I pretty much after my second kid, um, we moved it, you know, I just moved everything into the house and then I haven't, I haven't worked out of the house since 1998 now. So. There you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was, I know what it's like. I've brought, I've brought, I've, when my, when, especially Kaya, my daughter, she's the youngest. I've brought her to meetings before. I mean, it was in a kind of a way, I, I don't think, I don't think you, you go out and do that on purpose. I think sometimes you just have to do it. But I, I think everybody yeah. who's listening, I think just know that it's not completely abnormal. For me, it was kind of an icebreaker too. We already sort of talked about that with my last name, but like, it, I mean, who's going to, a little cute girl in, in pigtails, like, what are they going to, you know, who's going to be mad at that at a meeting? Yeah. It was, you know, everybody said hello. And then you went on to business and it was all good yeah. gravy. Yeah. So, I mean, um, my husband did take her um, and we were actually on in the West side in Santa Monica and Venice, you know, people were, people would bring their kids into work all the time. If you like worked with people, you know, there, there were kids and, you know, it's funny because like the kids, um, you know, you would kind of always, you know, like laugh, you know, laugh at like the things that they would say and, and things. And, um, and one time and my husband was teaching at the UCLA extension and he, it was after I gave birth to the second child. And so he took her in with him to, uh, to class. And so you know, he has her like just drawing or whatever. And he's like up in front of the classroom, like talking. And then she's like, she kept interrupting. She's like, Daddy, Daddy, could you do this for me or whatever? And I mean, the students were fine. I'm sure that there were some students like thinking, "Oh my God, you know, yeah. it's like I made this money, you know, and this mm-hmm. guy brings this." Out. But you know, I mean, it wasn't like he was bringing her all the time and everything. But you know, it's just kind of funny. I mean, you know, you just have to deal with it. Otherwise, you know, it's like you can't, you know, <laughs> part of life. It's part of life. It's part of life. And they're and they're gonna cross. Yeah, they're gonna cross yeah. for sure. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Um, tell, what is, tell us, what are some of the best and worst lessons you've had running your own firm? Maybe your best lesson and your worst lesson. And I realize I'm putting it on the spot. Um, the best lesson I've learned is, is that I really, um, and I don't know whether this is the best or worst, maybe you can tell me, is that I should, I should probably ask for help for things. Mm. And I don't, typically. And as a sole proprietor, I just think that I can do everything. And, you know, maybe I push off the help until it's too late. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I need help. And then, um, uh, but the best lesson is that, is that, you know, if you put your mind to do it and you, and with architecture, it's, it's so much that it's like, it's how long you are in the field, right? I mean, it's not, it's not a field where you go into and you're a success at 25, 26 years old. I mean, typically you aren't, you know, you have to put the time in and it's, and it's frustrating because you see other people, you know, or, or, you know, in other fields or, you know, making more money and other things, but, you know, I mean, it's not, you know, one, it's just, it's not about the money. It's kind of about the satisfaction of, of where you are, you know, and, and what, you know, whether you're happy in the career that you have. I mean, there's a lot of people that, you know, they went into accounting, they made a lot of money, you know, they're 50 years old and they, they hate their job and they hate their life. And, you know, then, then they're struggling to find some other career in their fifties where, you know, it's like, if you just put in the time and just keep going, you know, and that, 
Um, the other thing is, you know, Frank Gehry, he didn't, he didn't do the parking structures until he was in his 50s. You know, in his 50s, he did the Santa Monica parking structures, you know. And, I mean, in his 50s, yeah. So it's like, you know, now he's in his 80s. You know, the past, like, 20 years, he's been doing a lot of the work. But for years, until his 50s, he, he wasn't. And then it wasn't until his 50s, he just like, you know what? I'm not, I don't want to do any more work that I don't like anymore, you know. And then that's when he started, you know, doing other things. And, you know, his career took off. But, you know, he was in his 50s. <laughs> so... So I have, I have hope for that. So is, did I do a good or a, and a bad one? I think, I think you mentioned, but that was all good for me. I, I thought I, I, pre, I appreciated it. Uh, yeah. What, what is an example of the help that is it actual help with drafting or I mean with like something else, like maybe like accounting, like, is that where it really. Well, account, well, definitely accounting. Yeah. yeah. No, no. If I could have, if I could have, yeah, an account. I, I need, basically, I think I need an organizer in my life, like an organizer that's like a physical person. So I always said that if I was going to go into practice with somebody, I would like to go into practice with somebody who is more about the business and all of that organization, organizational part. And, and see in that, in that part, you know, um, being, a you know, being a, um, being a partner with my husband wouldn't be good because we both, you know, we both want to be the designer. And so there's no person who's super organized in the, in the thing. So I think that that's kind of, and you know, in a small office, I mean, you know how, you know how it is in a small office. I mean, design is like 5% of what it you're is. doing. Yeah. yeah. It's small. <laughs> yeah. And like so, I've told, I've told, I've told our listeners before is, you know, you, you actually, you hit on a really good point about, um, about how architects later in their careers when they really start doing a lot of them. I mean, especially these old, the old, I would, I would, what I would say is the old guard rock stars, right? Like Frank Gehry, Frank Wood, right? Um, even Zaha. I don't think she started doing her stuff, the stuff she really wanted to do until late oh, in her life. Yeah. And then she died, you know, and yes. she still had so yeah. much more to give. Yeah. But yeah. like for me to happen, like I'm sitting in the building, our new office building that we designed, built, and developed. It's exactly uh-huh. like I wanted. I go home and I wake up in a little castle that I designed, built, and developed with my wife. Oh, okay. okay. So, like, I'm satisfied with that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll hit this period or whatever. But you, you make a really good point. I, and I, I, I just, any young architect that's listening to this, if they can keep that perspective, I, I think is, it's like my wife started me off this week by saying, like, you need to lower your expectations with other people and you'll be happier. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you're right. You're right. So I'm trying to do that this week. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I get that. I've listened to the Ted talk about that, but you know, it's like, I mean, it's one thing to have unrealistic expectations. It's another thing to have no expectations. True. <laughs> so, so you've got to have like somewhere in it. There's plenty of people who have right. No expectations. They don't really care about what they've done, right? It's like any 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 little task is like overwhelming to them. They're you know they need help with everything, and then there's then there's the architect, right? It's like I'm gonna do this thing. I'm gonna take on all this stuff. I don't need any help, and you know, and now I'm overwhelmed and I'm angry, you know. So it's like we have to if we can find some happy you know some happy medium, you know that's that's fine. Uh, otherwise. Uh, I mean, you know, you can look at what you, you, you can look at what you have and, you know, and, and say, okay, uh, let's put it in perspective. Okay. So there's a lot of things that I've, you know, that I've done, you know, there's things that I want to do, but like, let's see where I am and, you know, and let's like, let's 
write down all of, you know, I mean, they, they do that in a lot of these, right? Like they'll tell you like, write down all of the things that, you know, that you've done, right? And then like write down things that you want to do. But if you start writing down all of the things, you know, it's like a lot of, a lot of architects, and I see this in the moms group too, you know, they'll say like, oh, I, you know, I'm going to take time off of my career, but I don't want to be a stay-at-home mom. And I'm like, or I just, I don't want to be just a stay-at-home yeah. mom. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I said, there isn't any architect that I know who's a woman, right? Or a man that like says like, I'm just going to be the stay-at-home dad or I'm just going to, it's like architects, they, they just can't be that like, oh, I'm just going to be the stay-at-home dad. You know, it's like, they're constantly doing stuff, right? So it's yeah. like you're yeah. a stay-at-home mom or you're the stay-at-home dad, but you're like leading some committee at school. <laughs> you're like you're teaching art docent to the kids, right? I mean, I've met several architects that have done the art docent program. Right? They're they're uh they're in the community, like doing you know they're involved with a nonprofit. It's right, but they're also you know, raising their kids and doing all this other stuff, you know. So it's like there is no, as far as I'm concerned, there is no such thing as like the stay at home architect, mom or dad, you know, just, you know, you I don't think, it, yeah, yeah, I think, I think it's just the opposite of our core, you know, and I think that's what you were getting at is, is yes. our, we're just, we always have to be doing something for sure. Um, let's kind of switch gears in a little bit. Um, something okay. I, the biggest, some of the biggest questions I want to ask you, um, because of your intro and the blog, you're a big proponent of women in architecture. So tell, tell us, what are some of the challenges that you overcame as a woman in architecture? And do you believe these same challenges still exist? Okay. Um, I did overcome some things, uh, many things, I suppose. I don't, I won't all of them, but um, I, uh, I do think a lot of that exists. I do... Um, I, you know, the way that I was raised in my house, I was, I was, um, you know, and from, you know, kind of, right, a, you know, a, a white girl, European descent, um, you know, I was, uh, my mother's side of the family was, uh, there were a lot of women, and they went to college, you know, it's like one of my great aunts was, um, had a, you know, was getting a degree in medicine from Carnegie Mellon Tech, like back when women didn't go to college, right? So these, like, these women were, were in the late 1800s, you know, so I had never really been told that I couldn't do what I wanted to do. When I said that I wanted to be an architect, I didn't hear anybody in my family ever tell me I couldn't be an architect. Um, you know, the problem was, is that and then even the, when I went to community college, the woman that was in charge of the department, right, she was, you know, European descent, you know, had worked in Paris, you know, grew up in Poland, worked in Paris, worked in New York, then came out, you know, to California, was head of the architecture department at the community college, you know, like um, a great, a great mentor, you know, to me. So it's like, I didn't have anything in the first two years that ever really said, no, you can't do this because you're a woman, you know? And then I went to Cal Poly and all of a sudden I had like a lot of, right. It's a bigger program. And then, and then I started to hear things like, okay, well, you know, you're, there were probably trying to think of how many, I think there were like 250 people like 250 students in 
second year. So it's like in first year, they had 250 students. They cut like 50% of them, you know, add 125 from, you know, community college and other colleges, 250. And then at the end of second year, right, you're down to like 150 or whatever it is, you know, the attrition. Mm -hmm. yep. and, um, and there were, I guess there were probably not more than 10 to 15 of us, you know, I mean, we're looking back and, and, you know, Cal Poly. So that was like 1984 when I started at Cal Poly and they had only started, um, they'd only started admitting women to that college in 1975. So, you know, to Cal Poly Pomona, they, they didn't have any women at that college before then. And then into the architecture department. So one of the people that was one of our instructors, she was actually the first, and she was at the time, I think she was only 35 wow. and she was one of the first graduates of Cal Poly Pomona, first women graduates of the Cal Poly Pomona architecture department. Um, that, that said, you know, and so there were, there were a lot of things where people said, okay, you know, you're getting by on this because you're a woman, right? It's like, they're saying that your work is good because, you know, you're a woman and, you know, your looks and things like that, um, you know, oh, you're getting by, you know, on this because you're a woman and, and all these, other. then you have other women that are saying, okay, you know, you wear lipstick, so it's like you're not going to be taken seriously, you know, from, from other women saying that, right? Yeah. And then, and to that, to that note, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that women are still held to like a higher standard by, you know, by men and women, you know, and then I think as far as, um, as far as I, uh, you know, now it's like 50-50 with students, but, you know, yeah, but women are still not getting licensed and still don't go on in the profession. And, you know, it's the whole missing 32% thing with, you know, the equity by design from AIA San Francisco. And, and, you know, it's still that, you know, we're meeting these pinch points, right? So it's like, you know, you get out of school, you don't get licensed, you, you know, maybe you can't find a job, maybe you like hate the profession, because of some discrimination, you know, because you're constantly, you know, I mean, people are constantly saying things about you. And I know that some women say, oh, I've never been discriminated against. I think it's, I think maybe they just either, maybe they're not conscious of it, or maybe they just don't hear it, or it's said behind their back. I mean, you know, I, I still hear things today about how, you know, like from other bigger offices, you know, it's like, oh, well, we can't fire them, you know, when they're on maternity leave, but we're going to wait until they come back. And then if they're just, you know, if they're just taking too much time off or, or they're not contributing to the firm, then we'll get rid of them then, you know? And it's like, I mean, literally I heard this less than a year ago and the person that was saying it was woman. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's so interesting. I did not expect you to bring up women on women, women talking to women in the way that you did. Um, even just now, you know, about this within no. the last year at all. I did not expect that. So that, that, that's interesting to me. I think you're a bad boss at this point if you aren't preparing for maternity and paternity leave. Because it is equally important yes. as, a, as a man who also yes. did not get to take any time off. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you, you never get it back. You never get that back. It's so critical yeah. in life. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so, you know, it's like the woman like decides that she's going to take the most of the time unless, unless, you know, the, um, the spouse makes more money, right? So it's mm -hmm. like the person who's going to make more money is going to be the one that's going to keep their job where the person that is making less money, which 
you know, traditionally is, is the woman, though it isn't all the time. I mean, I know that there are many, that there are many architects out there who are the, you know, the, the their, their wife is making more money. And so that's kind of a, um, yeah. So I, I think in that, I think in that way, I mean, I've kind of said like the whole telecommuting thing, which is really interesting, right? So we're talking about telecommuting and so many, so many firms were saying, oh, we can never telecommute. We can't telecommute because we're such a collaborative process. And then this COVID thing hits and everybody has to telecommute, right? And then, and then of course, you know, coming back from it, a lot of these firms are like, okay, you have to be, you know, you have to be here now and, you know, we want you, but, you know, childcare hasn't opened up. Right. So mm -hmm. it's like people are being told that they have to be back to work, but there isn't any childcare. And then they're saying like, well, can I still telecommute? And then these companies are saying, these firms are saying, well, no, you can't telecommute, you know, but there's no childcare open. So what are you going to do with your kit? You know, so it's, it should be, it should be interesting the next several months. I mean, to see kind of how it plays out, you know? Yeah. I was hoping, yeah. we, I was hoping we would have almost a near ubiquitous permanent push after this <laughs> to where, Everybody goes, oh, yeah, we can be flexible. There was an article I read um, in the Atl from the Atlantic about two or three weeks ago, and it talked about how we had, uh, we are in three different economies right now, 1830, 1930, and 2030. We're in 2030 because what we did is we compressed 10 years of telecommuting into, into two months, and we're uh -huh. there. For us, we were already there, Alex and I were, as far as being able to do that because of, because of how we taught at, teach at CU, and mm -hmm. we were already trying to be as flexible as we could for employees. And, and my perspective as a single dad too was, I don't ever want my employees to have to feel guilty about, about working or having to take care of the family and stuff it, like that, if that. I think in an age of where there are no company men anymore or women, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? In the sense that like they're going to be there for 30 years. How yeah. else are you, how else yeah. you going to start rebuilding loyalty again? Unless I think, I think that's one of the ways. That it, that it could happen. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's interesting that, you know, for years, like people are like, well, I'll, you know, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm good friends with a person who's buying out a firm with 500 people and they keep saying like, oh, how are, how are we getting, how are we going to get people to like, you know, to stay in this firm? And I'm like, to be flexible with work-life balance. I said, that's what it's going to be. You know, it, especially for some of us who are the sandwich generation, it's not just the kids it's parents that we're going to have to start taking care of. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it's like, you know, or, you know, spouses, I mean, it, you know, it just kind of depends. So you have to be flexible with that. I mean, you just can't expect that everybody's going to, you know, commit. And, and, you know, it's like these old days of, you know, Oh, you have to be committed for 60 hours a week. I mean, you know, it's not good for anybody. <laughs> it's not, you know, I mean, it's not good for your health. It's certainly, you know, it's like we certainly don't have very um, high, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of mortality. You know yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100%. You know what I thought? Yeah. I, I always thought, I, I thought it came from school and that if the best student, I was, I, Alex and I were some of the best students at the end and it came down to time management. It's like mm -hmm. the people who had to do the all-nighters over and over again were just very bad at poor man time management. So, you know, and I think that's ubiquitous. And I don't know if it's still that way with architects, but I would hope that we have our, you have, you have, you can time your time. You can figure it all out. You can tell people, no, doing the 60 hours a week is just unacceptable with, with our firm because, because mm -hmm. of, because of exactly what you're saying is I think you got to be 40 hours. We're done. Like you got to work hard to play hard. Um, 
and, and get, yeah. get past that. Um, yeah. tell, us, tell us about your wonderful blog and when and why did you start it? Um, I've said this on other things and then people, and then people like give me flack about, about like saying that, you know, uh, about how I like don't have enough good things to say about Bob Borson, but you know, I mean, but, but it did, it did kind of start, it did kind of start with Bob. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't even think I was a follower of his blog. I have no idea like how I even, I think, I think maybe I was on Facebook and then like saw it or something. I mean, Anyway, it came up or somebody else had commented on something. So I looked at the blog and then it turned out that there was, uh, I think it was supposed to be like a day in the life of an architect. And the people that had turned in the blogs, it's like they, they didn't, there weren't that many women that had turned in mm -hmm. blogs. So I like said, okay, you know, you don't have that many women that have blogged about this for their day in the life. And then I had, pre I had uh, copy pasted a link to Rosa Shang's um, you know, equity by design, um, you know, missing 32%. And then it, you know, if you're posting on a, if you copy a link onto somebody's blog, it automatically goes to the moderator. So then Bob said like, okay, well, I, you know, why don't you, why don't you blog for us? And at the time I had, I was, my daughter was in Spain and I was going to go pick her up in Spain and then like go to Denmark where I studied and, and, you know, and so, um, you know, I, I have the email, you know, and I think I posted it in one of the, in one of my blogs. And I just said, yeah, I said, you know, yeah, maybe when I get back from Spain, I'll, I'll like, you know, I'll blog, a blog in your arch hashtag architox thing. Mm -hmm. And so I did like start going, you know, I did start blogging, you know, and we were given a prompt every month. And then since then I've, you know, I've just, I've done other, um, I've reviewed different conferences or like anything that kind of comes up like I'm doing a work from home blog so I kind of did one with Jeff Eccles um, you know and then I started doing um, like podcast interviews two years ago at the AIA conference so it's like my first one was um, with Vijan Chakravarti who um, who's with Powell in New York and now he's going to be head of um, Berkeley's architecture school and environmental design school um, and, you know, I've interviewed Bob Morrison, Mark LePage, um, Laura Teagarden, uh, you know, a bunch, a bunch of other people out, you know, out here and around here. So I can interview you too, Lynn. Yeah. yeah. So, then, <laughs> so, so I've kind of put different subjects that we've like talked about, um, you know, so for this whole work from home thing, you know, one of them was about, you know, about how you can make your home uh, better for, um, you know, for working out of it or, and, you know, just being like stuck in the house. And then I did a virtual travel one with one of my friends from Australia, Mark Dixon. Um, and so, you know, there's the four questions and I kind of ask the questions and then it goes into it. Yeah. I encourage everybody to check it out. No, it's a good read. They're all, they're all good reads to so go check Thank them out. Um, one, one, one last question I have for everybody. I ask everybody this. Okay. So, uh, knowing what you know now, and if you could go back in time to meet your former self, what advice would you give yourself before starting your own firm? Oh man. Um, you know, I, I never, well, um, cause the idea is it's somebody I, listening <laughs> who hasn't started their own firm. So don't feel bad about telling yourself your advice. I know. <laughs> I think like 
I think be more organized though. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, or, and have a business plan. It's like, I, I never, you know, I just kind of like started it and, you know, so people are always like, Oh, how did you start it? I'm like, I, I just started it, you know? And, and you know, like 26 years later, I, I don't have a business plan. You know, I kind of like know where I want to go, but I mean, really for like the next 10 years, I want to have a clear vision and concept for that. So I think, um, being more organized with all of those, you know, kind of all of those things, you know, I mean, um, if I, if I had had like an entre architect at the, at the beginning, you know, it's like, it, that would have been, you know, that would have been really good for me, you know, and I did one of the podcasts, one of the initial podcasts for of the second kind of, um, kind of podcast that Mark did, you know, and it's just like, yeah, I never, you know, I never had kind of that uh, structure, you know, that's what I, yeah. So if there was like some structure where, uh, where you would be able to run your firm from that structure, that, that would have been really good, you know, otherwise yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just serendipity, right? I don't. <laughs> it is. No, it is. I, I've, I've, I haven't even figured out how I would answer my own question, to be honest with you. I just like, I love putting people on the spot with that question. It's one of my favorite things to do. So no, I, I think you made a really good point. We, even, even my generation, um, was, we only learned about the entree architect maybe four or five years ago and you mm -hmm. had to technically be licensed to be in there and we weren't yet and all this other stuff. So if anybody, anybody hasn't somehow hasn't checked that out yet, the entree architect community, the entree architect, um, just platform that Mark runs. And then I would even plug the business of architecture. Enoch Sears does a really good job. Those kind of places. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not in like, I mean, I'm not in any of the groups in Entre Architect. I'm just like, you know, I'm just like viewing it from, you know, from above. And I, you know, talked to Mark like numerous times about the thing. And with me, it's just being able to commit, but right. It's like, it's like you're running to do all of the stuff over here and then to kind of commit to like doing, you know, kind of the step-by-step -step process over here is, you know, is, is difficult for me at this stage of the game, but it's not like I, like I shouldn't maybe go back and kind of do some of those things. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, if you were alluding to it, like, what if you wrote, what if you wrote a business plan for the next 20? I don't know. Maybe I should do well, it too. We haven't, we haven't written one. <laughs> well, yeah. No, see, see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, I, I want to get into, you know, I want to get more into development, right? It's mm. like, that's what, I mean, like you guys, I mean, I, I'd be, totally happy with that. And, you know, other people have said, well, you still have to be on the hook with development. And I'm like, no, I know it's not, it's not just about being on the hook, you know, but if you're not, if you're not finding a client that wants to kind of do the, the work that you want to do, I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's because there isn't a client like that, you know, it's like that you, you know, so being, so you being the client is gonna, is gonna help you make those, um, you know, make your dreams a reality. Yeah, I think every architect should try it once, even if they just buy a lot and build one house, design, develop, and build one house. Oh my gosh, all the less, all the lessons. You being on the hook just financially alone and understanding, really having the feed. I think the feedback loop, being able to close it uh, much tighter because you're wearing all three hats. That's yeah. I mean, once in a lifetime yeah. experience, maybe. For some I mean, reason. I've even like adding on to the house. I mean, I especially with the same the same contractor that that I'd done like two, 
two houses for him, you know, that he developed with a small family development company, but even doing my own house, I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, like there's like so many different things that we could be doing to, to tighten up this process that, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazing. But <laughs> it's, it's worthwhile. But yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah, it's definitely worthwhile. It's definitely something that I'm going to learn. It's definitely something that I've learned from that, you know, to, to go, to go forward. Yeah. Beautiful. Michelle, it was a, it was a pleasure having you on today. If people want to connect with you or work with you or no, find you on social media, where can they do that? Um, it's uh, on Facebook. It's Michelle Grace Hoddle architect on uh, Instagram. It's at Michelle Grace Hoddle uh, Twitter. It's at MG Hoddle. Uh, and then on, um, you know, for my blog, it's, I've never met a woman architect before. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on. You ha you take care now. Thank you so much, Lance. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on the iTunes app. Tip your barista and we'll see you next week for more Monday morning coffee with Inside the Firm. <laughs>